Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Knife Talk podcast. My name is Marco Malamasi of Malamasi Fire Arts. I'm here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and Craig Lockwood of Lockwood. Or I almost said Lockwood Knives. Chop Knives. Craig Lockwood of Lockwood Wood. Um, <laughs> this is the show where we talk knives. We answer questions and we bust each other's balls and we just try to have a good time. I hope everybody's uh, recovering from or all listeners are re- recovering from your holiday gorging the annual gorging of turkey and other kinds of foods i didn't actually eat turkey this year myself how's the week what? been for you guys no turkey let's go into that first no turkey no i'm You're you know what vegetarian on us no <laughs> i'm turkey i'm fine with turkey but turkey is not the uh the protein my protein of choice when uh if i'm sitting in front of a smorgasbord that's probably one of the last ones i'll go for hmm. um we actually did what we like to call like roman dinner where where we have a spread of like breads and crackers and cheese and meat and vegetables and pickled stuff and fruits and um wine and we just sit there and and munch on little kind of like whatever accoutrements nice. it's tasty nice yeah so is is it bigger than Christmas for you as a holiday, Thanksgiving? Mm, it's different. I don't think so. Yeah, it's different. But it's di- it's, it's totally bigger. different. Totally mm. different. But I think it's I think Thanksgiving is more food based than Christmas is in the United States. For sure. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just strange to me because we don't celebrate a Thanksgiving, but um Christmas is, you know, massive and Nor it's all about the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have I got to be thankful for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so, so what else has been going on, Reco? What else apart from your, your Roman oh, dinners? Oh boy, what else? Uh, I'm still working on. So I'm working on the Smith and Bard knives. I got handles on, getting the handles all sculpted. I'm actually kind of trying to take video as I go along that I can post up uh, and share with people. Um, I've been posting some of my stuff. Like when I did the when I was cheating on those wooden spoons and stuff, I did some mm-hmm. like time lapse video, just kind of show. So I'm gonna do that same kind of thing uh, with the knife handles. Because I've never really cool. shown how I sculpt handles, and I guess I'm not really like demoing or or, or teaching anything in these videos. Uh, but so I got those going, and that's really all I've kind of been focused on this last week. 
Uh, I was getting mm. those done. The wooden spoons. I actually got a few more wooden spoons. I gotta I gotta whip out and uh, otherwise just kind of just taking things at a, a little bit of a leisurely pace right now. Hmm. Yeah. Holiday mode. Nice. Holiday <laughs> mode. I could use a leisurely pace. You could. <laughs> I'm up to my back teeth and deadlines, unreasonable deadlines, and I'm planning on meeting. So, you know, it was a fucking haul. It was a haul of a week. We had to move out of our shop in the city on Monday. And that was a pain oh, yeah. out. My car, I'm, I'm sitting in, in the car. It's still unpacked. It's still packed. <laughs> so this car oh, is still packed. Like, I refuse <laughs> to do it. It's the, the dumbest thing in the world. I got sculptures and books, and I got all sorts of bullshit in my car. Did you figure out what to do with that painting? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's leaning up. Two of them are leaning up in my shop right now. I'm waiting Eight for foot paintings are just hanging around in your shop. Well, I mean, they're Dang. in a safe place. I mean, sure. I don't have eight foot, you know, and I got to find a good place for it. I got sure. two giant paintings. I got to figure out what to do with, but. So that huge painting, was that the sign at the office or was that on the wall in the That office? was in the, yeah, that, my friend Andy B painted that knife, um, for me, uh, number number of years ago and then um i painted a a four by eight painting that's next to it so i I gotta find i gotta find good space for it soon i'm my shop is a fucking wreck i mean i literally like i finished (laughs) i finished all those sandwich knives and then i didn't have a chance to clean up so i'm like i'm i'm all there's shit there's shit everywhere this is Mm -hmm. i mean this is like disaster area so you know i got the paintings tucked over by the you know all the you know, plates of plywood and stuff like that. It's like a yeah. But you disaster. managed to get Thursday off, right? The whole day Thursday. I did actually. Tuesday and Wednesday, I just, I just, I went balls to the wall on some stuff to get ready. I got, I got, I have to make some moves. I, I got to haul ass. We have to change some shit up in the new year, and I just need to kind of like haul ass. So, yes, we had Thanksgiving at home. It's my wife's favorite holiday. She loves, she only likes turkey dinner one time a year. Like hmm. we would hmm. never, she would never order turkey at dinner off a, off a menu, but there, it's very important. I've been cooking Thanksgiving for her for as long as I've known her, like 20 something years. And I haul, I did a fucking good job. You know, people who say turkeys doesn't taste good. It's because it's not the turkey's problem. It's the person who cooked its problem. <laughs> Turkey people don't know how to cook turkeys, and and um I got the I got a free turkey from the supermarket because I guess we you know we just scan the card and they say oh you get a you do a free free turkey I'm like all right give me the free turkey, and I thought this is could be this will tell me if this is gonna be a good one or a piece of shit and you know I've had the heritage birds and the fresh birds and the farm raised birds and the and the brine birds and you do all that bullshit it's all nonsense you just gotta make sure you cook it and pull it out at at 165 in the internal temperature and then let it rest and it's going to be a, the juiciest bird you ever had do you spadgecock it fuck no i'm about five i don't have time for this bullshit it's all, it's all <laughs> nonsense everyone plays they say i hate turkey it's because your mom doesn't know how to cook <laughs> i mean seriously i mean listen when you when you properly cook turkey and then it's rested, it's good for the next couple of hours. And then as it cools down, it gets it tough. Dries That's it. Quickly, yeah. That's yeah. it. Period. But it's like, don't blame the goddamn turkey's fault. I, I made a I made a turkey. It was a slapper. Hmm. It was great. <laughs> I'd prefer a, a well roasted chicken to a turkey. To be honest, I with you. would agree with but you. I do understand the sense of occasion with a turkey. It's like you said. It's it maybe once a year. You know. Well, here's the dumbest part about turkey. People like I care about the skin. 
you have crispy mm. skin. But when you cook, when you cut, when you let the turkey rest, that shit turns into like a bath mat. It's yeah. <laughs> it's not worth it anymore. <laughs> so they pour, they put all the butter on top of the skin to make it nice and colorful. But then they let it rest, and then it's like, it's awful. So you put it, you put the shit underneath the skin. I did. I made a great turkey, and then and then. I made, we've had been dealing with excellent leftovers. We're going to have it. Do you know what a hot brown is? A hot brown? <laughs> well, I had a fucking. No, lo- I've, I've had a few of them in my time. <laughs> Sounds like a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> no, it's not a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> it's not a Cleveland steamer. It's a Louisville hot brown. No relation to a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> Do you know what a Cleveland steamer is? <laughs> I can only imagine. I yeah. can imagine, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a hot brown on your chest. What a Cleveland steamer is. Seven minutes <laughs> in. Nice. So a hot brown is famous in Louisville, and it's basically an open-faced turkey sandwich with gravy, and then you melt mm. cheese on top. And I made Ooh. I made some hot browns. <laughs> I'm saying to my family tonight, these will be having tonight. We're gonna have a couple hot browns. And they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, this is gonna be classic. We have some hot browns. My kids looking at me I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. So you you uh, you loosen up the bread with the gravy. You put the turkey on. You put it under the broiler with some cheese, and then we put a little parsley of uh, parsley and garlic on the top, and it's fucking good. Hmm. The cheese is weird in that. But um, yeah, what are you talking about the cheese is weird. The cheese is weird with turkey. With gravy, with yeah, gravy. Cheese and gravy on the top, on the top. The mm. the gravy's underneath to keep the the okay. turkey loose. So and with a the moist che- maker or just like just pour it on, man. It's a fucking Louisville hot brown. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one we had was a uh, Carl Ruiz, uh, rest in peace. Came up with it. I don't know. He came up with it, but he introduced me to this sandwich and some other people. It's called the Elena Elena Ruse R U Z. This Cuban woman wanted a sandwich, and she she was very famous, and she wanted a turkey sandwich on a bun with cream cheese and strawberry jelly, and it was pressed, and it was Ooh. great. So I made that. That fucker was good too. So we've been strange. What is, what is the matter? What do you mean strange? I've done that it's great. It's like yeah. just like it's del- it was delicious. By I suppose wife... we'd have like cranberry sauce with turkey. That's sweetness. So I suppose yeah, it would work. I suppose. It was but great. The, it's the cheese. It was great, but the hot brown was dynamite. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so were you both, were you both back in work Friday, or is that like a, a national holiday? Um, not a national. I mean, any shop I've ever worked in, they never give you fr- unless business is really good. You never get Black Friday off. So mm. I um. I had to do some forging yesterday. I was super pumped because I hadn't picked up an and I hadn't picked up a hammer in six months, seven months. So I had to knock out a couple bottle openers and I forged a knife. And then I did. I'm working on a birthday, a 16th birthday present for my kid. So I was working on something for her. Actually, mm-hmm. probably the most fun of the whole week. So was that sculpture wise? Yeah, or? making her. Nice. She doesn't listen to this bullshit. She doesn't give a fuck about this. So she, <laughs> she's, you know, she's. 16th birthday is a big deal, and we're yeah. obviously. I mean, we can't. We, I mean, we didn't have anybody over, and we're. I'm making a. I'm making the sculpture for her, and it's very like. It's the most fun I've had in a long, long time. So it's going to be like this, very similar to like this torch from the Statue of Liberty. She's very big in the politics of her school. She's on the, you know, she's just very driven and in this mm. time she's been very driven 
without being like depressed and like moping around. She she's takes control of her life and she's looking at colleges and she's very like I'm very, Upbeat. very proud of her. Good, good stuff. You know, so I'm making her this giant liberty nice. torch. Not giant, but it's carved wood. It looks good. Hmm. Nice. How nice. are you? I'm good. It's been a really positive week. So last week I was just really down, and I think it come across in the show as well. And I, you know, I had been for weeks, um, but I've just taken it easy this week. So you know, all the big orders have gone. All the big, you know, the camp knives and so on. They've all left now. Um, so I've had a week where tidying through the shop, making sure everything's ready to you know to, to get back on board again. Um, I spent a whole day in the woods, literally just like cutting wood and just no work at all, you know. Um, and it's just really brightened me up. The sun is shining. I just feel really positive. It's it's good. So yeah, it's been a good week. Um, we um, launched a new podcast on I think it was Wednesday. So it's going to be every Wednesday. Myself and Aaron Goff, who's on the show a few weeks ago, um, and we're going to be talking about CNC and machining. Um, so it's called XYZ or XYZ, as you call it in the in the states. Um, and basically, it's going to be me drilling him for questions because <laughs> he's the man. He knows all about CNC machining knives, and I haven't a clue. And it's something that I want to know more about. So I mean, that was the reason for knife talking. You know. To begin with, when I started Knife Talk, I wanted to learn more. So the best way was to, you know, speak to people who know far more than you. And that's the idea between, um, that's the idea for, rather, um, for XYZ. Can I tell so you that it. it was great? The first episode was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult. You know, I've, we've never met, obviously, me, me and Aaron. We've only chatted, a couple, well, twice on Knife Talk. So, yeah, trying to get a rapport in that, it was quite difficult. But I thought it went really well. Oh, so you, we're, we're you both very happy. guys have great chemistry. Yeah, I think so. And it went really well. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, sort of um, good cop, bad cop, as in, you know, he knows all the stuff and I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Well, so who's the good it's, cop? It's, you know, he's the good cop. He's I'm bad very guy. dark. He's very dark. He's much think? darker. Than, he's much darker than you think. <laughs> I, th- I, got the, I got the feeling that he's much darker than you think. <laughs> well, you know, I did get a message this week saying, maybe we should have a drink next time and it'd be a bit looser. I'm like, well... But one of us is going to be early in the morning. He's like, well, that's fine. I don't mind drinking in the morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> there he is. C&C. He'll be crashing, crashing his tool heads into stuff later on in the C&C day. C&C yeah. and a G&T. <laughs> he, I thought oh, it was great. I, you know what the weirdest part was? Is he, I guess in his building, the uh, the alarm went off. The fire alarm went off. It did, yes. And at yes. first I couldn't hear it. And then all of a sudden I'm in my car and I'm just looking behind me thinking like what is going on is it an air raid siren it was so it was like this very in the in the very quiet like alarm in the background i think you should yeah. have that on every time yeah i did say to him do you need to stop and he's like no i'm sure it's fine like, yeah. oh, geez okay he said okay. my wife's teaching a, my girlfriend's teaching a class don't worry about her <laughs> so, so yeah so that was we we recorded tuesday then went live on wednesday um so I spent the day in the woods on Thursday, um, and it's it's the my twins. It's their second birthday um, tomorrow. So we normally record on a Sunday, as you guys know, but we're recording today on a Saturday because tomorrow we're spending the day with with the girls for their birthday. So it's yeah, it's been a nice week. It's been yeah, it's been really nice. So why are you why are you down? You said you were dark. You said you were down before. I didn't I, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it last week. But why were you down? I just think the whole lockdown has gone on for so long yeah. and, uh, you know, we'd had, you know, a couple of weeks of just dark, cold, depressing weather and, you know, we're not really leaving the house. Um, I had a lot of pressure with, 
getting knives out and shipping and and you know everything was just getting on top of me and I I just wasn't motivated at all mm. you know so this week has come as a massive breath breath of fresh air really really has um and yeah I'm 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 raring to go again so I'm now planning my next sort of batch of knives which will won't be until the new year um and I'm really excited about them so that it's going to be a range of knives rather than just one knife and I'm yeah I'm really excited so mm. it's all good all good nice Shall we get on with the show? What are you, whatever you want. I tell you what, let's do this first. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Do the chopper! Yeah, Arnie's still here. Still here. Um, yeah, Even Heat. We all use Even Heat. Make sure you head over to their website, evenheat-kiln.com. So let's do some questions. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? And this first one is from Clover Forge, and he says, I've been heat treated by eye and I'm saving up for an even heat. Well, that was timely. Um, but I'm just using an old... I, I'm just using old hydraulic oil to quench, mostly spring steel for tools. Is it worth it to get a special heat treat oil like Parks 50? Uh, what do you think? Let's start with uh, Jeff first. What do you think? Yes. Okay, Marekko, what do you think? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you can get a gallon in the United States. You can get a gallon of Parks Fifty for under sixty dollars. Yeah, and it's like, why do all the work if you're gonna just kind of like play around? It just, it's just yeah. Not, that's that's a good point. Yeah, you know, a gallon of oil is gonna last you for a while. So I mean, I I understand everything's a hassle. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't do that. It's just like. Just do it once and knock it off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I use canola oil probably for the first two or three years. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't have a, a, anything to test hardness with or anything like that. And I was just assuming it was good all the time. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't cost much to, to get the right stuff. And what I can gather, Parks 50 is a good sort of all-rounder for lots of different types of steel. Is the reason um, behind using any kind of oil as, as opposed to water... Is it be just because the viscosity of the oil is going to be a little bit more gentle on the steel? Is that the mindset behind people just using canola oil? Or I, th- I think so. Yeah. So, um, water will obviously cool very quickly, um, but yeah, I'm not the man to ask. Yeah. Well, what but, do you think, Marco? Uh, so I think the oil you want to use depends on the type of steel you're using. Parks Fifty is more suitable for shallower hardening steels so anything that you could quench in water or just uh or even in the air like that's those are both are pretty shallow hardening um or sorry air hardening is super deep uh (laughs) deep hardening never mind not not the air but anyways so like 10 series steels w2 1095 1080 1075 um those are all steels that benefit more from uh parks 50 but for steels like 5160 5200 uh probably like 80 crv and crew forge v uh those would actually benefit more from like uh, a triple a quench which is a, a kind of a heavier oil oil or a slower oil um i think the benefit of oil versus water um is that it, the water so any whatever you quench the blade in creates a vapor jacket which we've talked about before and the water will create more i think more of an insulative 
vapor jacket versus the oil um, and the oil will help cool the blade down um, more consistently I guess um, there are some people who quench partly they start in water and then they finish in oil some people do 100% oil but that's very I think that's very far and few between and usually people who are trying to do very specific like Japanese style stuff uh, especially like swords and whatnot um, but I think for the most part, you want to go with oil. It's just it's less it's a lot less stressful on the material as well, and you're you're a lot less likely, you know, to say have spent an hour forging a blade very carefully and thermal cycling everything and then quench it in water and the whole thing blasts apart into a hundred pieces, you know. Mm. So so let's just say that whoever this guy's like, I'm not gonna buy steel from a reputable steel guy. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just use leaf springs. Sure. I'm gonna. What is the perfect oil for leaf springs? I know people are just like don't use fucking leaf springs. <laughs> oh, canola oil is? Are you kidding? Uh, canola oil is actually pretty good. It's it's surprising. You want to heat it up, but I've I've set hormones with canola oil. You know, huh. so it depends on the so range. So would you, you use canola to, oil you... over Parks Fifty for leaf springs? Oh yeah, I feel like I would be wasting the Parks Fifty, <laughs> quenching the the leaf spring in Parks Fifty. Yeah, for sure. All right, so and like you said, Clover it's affordable. <laughs> Cloverfield it... Forge, as you were. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> get some French fries and do some yeah. canola. Yeah. Oh, he's using good hydraulic too. oil. Yeah, right. he's using hydraulic. But... Go get yourself some Crisco. <laughs> go, go raid the Christmas, raid that, raid that pantry. Get some canola oil. Fuck that. <laughs> Jeff, this one, this next one's from your buddy. Moonshine Metalworks. That's Steve House. That's a good dude right there. Oh, P.S. I just got my uh, copy of The Forge Kitchen from Alex Pohl. Ah, uh, I bought one too. God damn it. That's a good fucking book. So good. Those photos. He, They Love did it. a really good... He's a smart... Alex Pohl is a fucking smart guy. And he spent a lot of... You, it's clear that he spent a lot of time on this cookbook because... They're filled with um, different chefs doing different recipes, um, and the pictures are beautiful, and then his stuff's everywhere, and it's great, and and uh, and uh, it's definitely worth it, definitely yeah. worth it. So he says a lot, a lot of work has gone into it, and it's designed like beautifully too. Oh, P.S. Steve says that we should do a cook-off from one of the recipes from the book. I'm just like, ah. oh, what? Yeah, venison liver. Yeah, we're gonna have a venison <laughs> liver cook-off. No thanks, Steve. I mean, come on, let's, let's liver be real. is awful. Ugh, ah, I get it. <laughs> Bastard. Oh, it's only a couple people got that one. Hey, cuties. <laughs> I'm planning on forging a carving knife and fork set for a Christmas present. The fork is just a simple stainless steel thing, but for the knife, I'm planning to make a full tang San Mai carver. Most of the blades I've made, the grime, the grind comes about half to three quarters of the way up the blade to leave the section of the forged finished showing. Is there a reason not to do this with the carver in terms of the usability or would I be better off giving a full grind at a steeper angle and losing that forged finish? Keep up the great work on the show. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. yeah. They, those guys, they like everything to look forged. Yeah. Mm. I, I honestly, I think it would depend on how thick the steel is. Because... The, if the steel is super thick, then yeah, you're going to have to grind higher up on the blade to get proper geometry. But if the blade's pretty thin, it, you know, you can do your normal thing probably. 
And uh, even if the blade, like I think most carving knives are only what an inch and a half wide. And if, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so if, if that, <clears throat> yeah, if he forges it pretty thin, like an eighth, um, you know, he should have no problem carving or only grinding halfway or three quarters away up that, and still having decent geometry. I think car carving knives are like the least specialized knife. Like the carving of right. a turkey or something. You could do that with... A ch I've seen people do it with chainsaws and, you know, so many people use... <laughs> yeah. Or... That's a dry turkey. Too. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what is fucked it? up. Get the chainsaw. Yeah, or those electric carving knives. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they're so not special that people are using electric carving knives to cut the meat. So... Mm. Uh, yeah, I think. Did you it, ever? Have you ever been to a place where they? You ever been to a house where they do that? Get that electric carving knife? That's yeah. the dumbest fucking thing I ever mm. seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, just it's like yeah. a, it's the like person's a very hand slow... is stationary, just pushing yeah. down as it's. <laughs> and then they and then you ever see them use the like the steel too with the like, like they do the whole thing with the fucking electric carver and then they're. <laughs> the <fuck> <laughs> People are so stupid. It's like a fucking sawzall for Christ's sakes. Yeah. yeah. So. so stupid. Yeah, that I would. That's the thing. It's you know the carving knives don't need. You're absolutely right. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You don't need to go crazy. I know, but these guys, they it would be. I like the idea of a sand mai, where you see the carbon steel dark, then the mm. the stainless is is um, nice and silver, and then you see the forge. You got three things going on. You got a long way to go. I'm not too much material there, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Steve's so a good dude. My advice would be to forge it. As thin as I, I wouldn't forge it thinner than a sixteenth of an inch. That would be really pushing it. But around an eighth of an inch should be great. Yeah, you don't yeah. want too floppy either. Yeah, exactly. Because when you're making that hot brown, <laughs> you don't want that floppy. You don't want a floppy boner getting in the way. <laughs> oh, Jesus good one, Christ. dude. Good one. Oh, fucking good one. Nice. All right. This next one. <laughs> Is from Overton, so Overton Forge. He says, uh, hey, guys, I got a question. Is there a way to keep track of your orders slash quotes without investing into software? I've had an influx of quotes that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have given people as well as custom one-off orders with lots of variations, and it's been hard to keep track of which is which. What's the best way to manage these quotes and orders without breaking the bank? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work on the show. What do you think? Get less sleep. Less sleep. Jesus. <laughs> there, I mean, there's. this is the bane of our existence over at Fader Knives. They're mm. fucking getting back and forth with the customers. It's the worst. There is, there is, I mean, we have human people doing it, and it's a fucking, you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're at a lucky point now because, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about software as in, like, CRM software. Mm -hmm. Um there's so many options now, and most of this stuff is now, um, you know, you pay a small monthly fee and you have access to it, and it's all up in the cloud and so on. So that there's lots and lots of options. Sure. Um, but personally, what I do, I use, because I'm using Squarespace, my website, um, and that handles all the sort of invoicing for me, um, what you can do is do an uncompleted order on Squarespace. So I use that as like a quoting system, and it's always there. I can go back to it then. If they agree, I can then just generate an invoice from there. Um, I know um, Shopify does something very similar, and there's lots of plugins for Shopify as well, which which, which you, you can use. Um, and I think um, 
Toma from Florentine uses Shopify. I know he uses some third-party software that integrates really tightly with it to handle all that stuff for him. So, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be expensive um, with regards to software and, like, investing in software. It could be $5 a month. Sure. Um, but depending, you know, what you're using for your website, it'll plug into that and it'll all work. But, yeah, have a little Google around. You'll find something. I mean, even Google has, like, Google Docs version of, like, Excel, right? That you the, yeah. the database and you just you know write the person's name in and then what they wanted their phone like the contact info you can give them a number or put a date next to it so you can search through it alphabetically or chronologically and it's there on your computer possibly hmm. an extension of your email i mean that would <laughs> that could help too for sure especially yeah. when it just comes to to basic organization and keeping a list of people at least yeah i mean what what we do as well so little secret here what we do is every year when in the uk when they announce the uh the michelin stars they publish all the restaurants and all the rest of it so we obviously contact them as part of you know trying to trying to sell knives um and we have like a color system so we just use a, a basically like an excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. um but we use it on a max which is called numbers which is pretty much the same thing yeah. and we just have three colors so we, we highlight them so they're um, red if we haven't heard back, orange if we heard back, we need to get back to them, or green if it's an order. And you can just change that traffic color system and you can by a quick glance, you can see who you've contacted, if they've contacted you back, and if you need to do anything about it, you know? So it can be as simple as you like, but it, yeah, it just needs a little bit of a setup. Sure. But it can, be, it can be super simple. I do like to print up when our orders are ready. I like to print them up like tickets. And I have, <clears throat> I have like a ticket wall. And I and I batch people out in terms of their tickets and their times. And I do like to be able to, you know, write a message, you know, know where I am. Uh, I have like a little, I do like a, you know, a checkpoint in regards to <clears throat> what I'm working on and then when I should send an email to. And then it allows me to know exactly what I've done. Paper, mm-hmm. having that paper, like check boxes, and then, all right, here's the time to email. And then that's been really helpful to me. If I didn't have... To see the actual paper tickets, I'd be in prob- I'd have problems. Yeah, yeah. And again, whatever whatever you're using for your website with regards to the orders, most most of them will have some sort of system where it'll automatically email. So you can mark it as shipped, and it'll automatically send the email to the customer saying, no, your order's shipped, and you could even tag in your tracking number automatically. You can do all these different things. So, yeah, just just spend a little bit of time with the software that you've currently got, and I bet you there's a, there's a clever way of using that to do what you need to do. We use ShipStation, and it's great. I mean, I'm, they're not a sponsor. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a link to our uh, Squarespace, but that's the thing you can buy. You know, it's like uh, you buy shipping. You know, you can do the shipping labels, print them from home, and then you just when you show up to the post office, you give it to them, and then they automatically send an email with the tracking number, which is oh, awesome. sounds like a dream. Oh, dude, that is the best. It's like because then I don't have to stand in line, I, and then they know me at the post office, so I can just kind of like pile them up and they. They're all done. It's that is you do. They're they got a little cheeky with me because all of a sudden I didn't realize we were paying uh, you know nine bucks a month for the service, and they do give you some of these places do give you like a break on the on the shipping, like you get like mm. a discounted price. But then all of a sudden it's like you've already you've shipped too many this month. You're gonna have <laughs> yeah. to up your you've fucking thing. It's like you cocksuckers. <laughs> I'm not gonna send you a hot brown over over ship station. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> we gotta bump up our pricing because it's like you have to wait a couple more days. I'm like I gotta send this shit out now. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I think we we handled that one quite well. All right. You read the next one. <sighs> you bastard. Joshua Enders, I think. Joshua ends something like that. Um, just got into knife making, 
Got my first grinder the other day and some sort of metal chunks. Can you guys tell me how to make Damascus knives like Morocco? <laughs> And how much I can sell it for so I can start making a living off of it. I plan to quit my job next week. Morocco, no, over to you. you got to finish the rest of it, dude. Oh, right. I thought that was it. <laughs> no. I thought it was... Ah, okay, okay, okay. Let me start again. Just got into knife making. Got my first grinder the other day and some sort of metal chunks. Can you guys tell me how to make Damascus knives like Morocco? And how much I can sell it for so I can start making a living out of it. And I plan to quit my job next week. Just kidding, he says. I always think these kinds of questions are funny. I hear people ask shit like this on other types of podcasts too. Uh, there's other types of podcasts? What? Not good I did just get into knife making, but it's just a hobby. And he says, the podcast is great and always entertaining. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. That's so funny. Okay. He was wide. I, I, I stopped <laughs> thinking that was a genuine question. <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to change the spacing of it because I wanted to make sure you read it like that. See how uh, angry, how angry you guys right. I read it when I read it in the in the DMs. Um, I got I was like fucking this guy, and, he, and I, read, I read the whole thing. I'm like, you fucking got me, you fucking got me. <laughs> because it's very close to emails that we actually do get. It's you know identical. He did a fucking good one, Joshua. You did a fucking good one because you had me hook, line, and sinker. This is what people do. This is the. I think that this stems from the problem of people never working in like fabrication or metal shops. Like I'm starting to con get convinced that because people starting this as like their first foray into metalworking, they just assume everything's easy, you know, mm -hmm. and they have no real. I mean, they're learning it through e uh, YouTube and they're learning these things and they're seeing things on Instagram. And they're saying to themselves, well, "I can do that." And then they'll knock something out and their eyes get bigger than their stomach and they just think it's all plug-and-play information. Hmm. Yeah. You know. Talking about metalworking, I did some welding this week. Jesus. <laughs> it was terrible. So I welded up this, um, this like, camera stand kind of thing. Um, and it was a, uh, like, a, a square, square bar, I suppose, um, onto a plate. And um, I've only got, like, the, the shittest, like, stick welder. So I'm just using this, just like a hot glue gun, basically, yeah. just trying to stick anything together. It works, but Jesus, it's ugly. It's, it's it was ugly. fine. Look, it got, it yeah, got yeah. you what you needed done, done. Yeah, I suppose. Just, just. Okay, next one is from Jordan Dans, I think it is, with a Z on the end. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Just ordered my first disc sander tonight. It's an AMK 9-inch disc sander with a VFD. And he said, I know Jeff uses one. He says, do you cut your own discs out of sandpaper sheets or do you buy PSA discs? My first thought was to see what Indasa USA make, but they have 8-inch. Also, if you're cutting your own, is that a strategy or trick to doing that right? So he's got a 9-inch grinder. He's looked at Indasa and their sheets are 8 inches that he found. So obviously that's not big enough. Um, what do you do? I didn't realize he bought a 9. I don't think he bought a 9-inch disc sander. Maybe that's what he says. MK and yeah, it sounds as if he I has. Would get an eight, I would get an eight. My my opinion would be to get an eight inch disc. You can get those plates. They you know the disc itself isn't too bad. What I do is he was asking me about it because he just didn't know how to put it on. Hmm. The pre made backing um, discs that are made similar to the way that they make you know two by seventy two belts on the thicker you know. Ad ad adhesive, a, a thicker belt 
I don't think that they're were I don't like using them because I don't use them for I use my disc grinder for kind of the finishing of the you know the preparing the steel to be hand sanded. So I'm not using the disc grinder. It's like it's like the secondary step. Like mm. so what I do is I have an 8-inch uh, 8-inch um with a VFD 8-inch disc and then I'll take some spray adhesive or some feathering disc, 3M feathering disc. And then I'll take a regular sheet of I use in DOS USA, and I'll put it on so the top part of the of the sheet is at the top of the disc, and then there's some extra, and then I take a razor blade, and then I cut all the way around using the disc as the guide, and then if I put it don't put it dead in the middle, I'll have an extra strip for cutting, uh, for for hand sanding, so I'm not losing mm, any of the, sense, the, yeah. the disc. I'm not I'm not if you put it in the middle, you end up losing a pile of of paper, but if you kind of put it at in the corner, you'll end up with extra paper for hand sanding. That's oh. what I do. Yeah, yeah, I think part of the reason that nine inch is kind of the standard is because most sandpaper comes in nine inch by eleven inch, right? Yeah, I thought it was eight and a half by eleven, but it, it's most likely yes. You know what? You're fucking right. It is nine by eleven because I have I have tons of extra, so you should be have sure. you should have no problem. Yeah, with, and that's um, the same thing. This. When I was using my disc all the time, that was the same thing I would do. Was I would just I would stick the top edge along the edge of the circle, and then I would try to match like a one of. The, usually, it was like the left edge of the sheet to another side of the circle, so that I'm basically like Jeff was saying, wasting as little paper or paper as possible, and then using a wheel or the disc as yeah the template for cutting out the thing and just kind yeah. of spin it around in a circle and cut cut the thing. You do need to be careful because what happens is is the 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 you know what if you're using a razor blade or something it kind of like really goes dulls down so if you're looking for something super tight you want to have like a very very sharp razor blade or a sharp knife because mm. you if you you can snag it a little bit if it's not cutting fast right and then if you can kind of get yourself in a little bit of trouble there we go. Oh. Um, do you know what? We're, whilst we're talking about Indasa, um, we all use Indasa, and I'm just looking now to see this, the um, the sizes that are coming because he says maybe 8 inches isn't big enough. Um, yeah, yeah, they're 9 by 11. So if you go to Texas Farrier Supply, they've got them in stock. They're 9 by 11, so they'll fit a 9-inch wheel perfectly. Um, but Indasa, they make Rhino Wet, which is the sandpaper that the three of us use. Really good stuff. I mean, it's inexpensive because it saves you time. And if it's saving you time, it's saving you money. And you can save some more money by going to Texas Fire Supply because they stock it. TexasFireSupply.com. And, yeah, it's going to fit your 9-inch disc. They've got a bunch of different grits there. Go and take a look. And if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off. Not just your Indasa Rhino Wet, but everything that they do in their sort of knife-making supplies part of the website. So so go take a look. Um, they've got what you need, um, and that will answer your question. Tom Moss asks, should I have cleaned out that doer that I bought off that farmer before making the kids liquid nitrogen ice cream yesterday? <laughs> Probably, Tom, yes. Tom Moss yeah, is yeah. going for He's shooting the moon. Uh, he salty really... ice cream. It is very trendy at the moment, putting salt on the ice cream, but uh, you want to be careful. Tom Moss is the greatest because he had such a good bit with the uh, Coca Bowl on his penis, and now he's definitely, you can t- I can feel when he sends me these messages that it's like, Get ready. Buckle it. your seatbelts. Put on your laughing laughing hats. <laughs> Time for fucking trouble. <laughs> so he, uh, 
funny. So, so if anybody is not aware, well, that's that's about when we had a guest on and they were talking about um, dewars taking them to fill them up with uh, liquid nitrogen. And apparently farmers use them a lot to store bull semen in. And, and just so- to let you know, I just interviewed, I had the Black Friday special on the Full Blast podcast with Ben Snoor and Jonathan Porter. And they were talking the broke about... Ba- Brokeback edition of We had Full a good Blast. time. I, I tell you what, after listening to that, I do not want to be a cowboy. Because there was some like there was too much reality in regards to animal husbandry. I was, it was a little too much for me. But uh, there was they were saying that when they're breeding cows, they they at the end they talk about how you procure the investment. I don't know. You, oh, I, was, oh. Both of them have been, been involved in. I mean, you know, both of them have been involved in the extraction of the uh, of the uh, specimens. You know, specimens and what they do is they like i guess they have they have a doer and then they'll have little you know t- i don't think it's test tubes i'm sure it's not pine glasses either but, <laughs> but they'll have like you know the characteristics of you know the bull that you know <laughs> had it and then that they'll use that to match up with other cows so it's all very scientific so what a life well oh, yeah. Morocco, do you want to take the next Yeah, one? sure. This is uh, a, ter- a name I'm going to totally butcher. Sorry. Uh, Davidicino. Both Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, can you tell me how to sharpen knives without Spanish notches, without ruining the whetstone? Thanks for the great podcast. Ooh. <sighs> what do you guys think? Yeah, I know. I I don't sharpen on whetstone. Well, I suppose I do because I'm using a whetstone sort of wheel, but uh, I, I'm not on a flat whetstone. But I'd imagine you just need to sort of loosen a bit of pressure as you get as you get to the end, so you're not digging in. Um, but yeah, I've never done it, so I'm, I'm talking out of school here. Jeff, have you used yeah, uh, flat whetstones? I've. It's a disaster. That's why I started putting Spanish notches in the the, <laughs> the the knives that don't have a big heel. I hate to do. I did the I, once in a while. I'll do a knife with a big fat bolster so the plunge line is going almost almost all the way to the end of the heel but i hate doing it because when you sharpen it you just bump into the fl- the plunge line that happened to me i did i used the i was using for a hunting knife a long time ago i was using the whetstone and i was trying to sharpen it and i kept bumping into the bumping into the uh the plunge line because yeah. it was and it was like fuck this all the time. So I just like, <laughs> you know, because and the funny, you know, we talk about sharpening and stuff like that. There there're not that many types of knives that are sharpened down to like um a toothpick. Like we talked about butcher knives. Butcher knives they're constantly sharpening them so you wear the material around. But it is a pain in the ass, that's for sure. I don't I mean, I say I stay the fuck away from it. I looked at that little scratch I put into it when I've got right up bumped in that plunge line. I'm like, mm. things have gotta change. So I don't I put a like a Spanish notch or like a sharpening choil or whatever you want to call it. I put them in every one and it makes my life a hell of a lot easier. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest concern but along with smashing into the plunge line mm-hmm. is that it's gonna damage this whatever stone you're using. Uh which is not good especially if you're spending a lot of money on a sharpening stone um i i I honestly would sharpen it on a belt if you can realistically that way you can sweep up that that's the hard part is if it doesn't have the notch how are you going to sweep up into that little you know like that swoop without 
uh, smash, you know, without ruining the stone and ruining the knife, or I guess damaging, I don't know. But, yeah, I would try to do it on a, uh, on a belt if I could, if you could. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But I, I guess if you are stuck with stones, uh, maybe you round a corner of the stone. That way it kind of matches the, mm-hmm. the swoop up in that good idea. transition area. Or uh, or you can actually get uh, abrasive rods, like a honing rod, that are that can get pretty coarse. Uh, and you can even get diamond mm-hmm. honing rods that are like 220 grit. Um, and that will help get up in into any kind of non-Spanish notch kind of uh, transition as well. Mm. That's a good idea. I like yeah, those I like things. the idea of rounding the stone. That's that's nice. Okay, <clears throat> the next one. Um, I'm not sure who it's from because we've got two names. So it's either a Leonardo Lee, same guy, or fine. Oh, it's fine. Right. It's the same guy. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Um, and he asked, why can't you put something like a bit of wood in your heat treating oven in order to burn off all the oxygen in there so you don't get decarb? That's similar to a question that we received yesterday. I'm not sure if it's on the list. Um, but I do remember, I don't remember who it was, uh, but they were saying they've just got an even heat mm. and they were wondering, ah, yeah. um, is it on the list, is it? Yes. Okay. It, okay. Uh, we'll just bump it in. It's um, That's a tease. It's from Tarbox Custom Cutlery, and we'll just add, we'll put them all together. I just received yeah. my even heat knife oven KO18, and then he wrote pause and wait for the obligatory ooh from Mr. Fader. It's never from me. It's always from Craig P.S. Um, okay, so here's my question. What, uh, From what I understand, the reason for wrapping the blade while performing the heat treatment is to avoid excess scale buildup. But if you're intending to grind prior to the heat treatment, can't you just skip this, set, this uh, step? And follow-up is if wrapping is considered a crucial non-skip step, then what's your preferred wrap slash clay? Thanks, as always, Tarbox Custom Cutlery. Okay, so they are slightly different, actually. So um, let's start with that first one, which is from Leonardo Lee, or Finite. Um, Why not put a bit of wood in your heat-treating oven? Uh, the main reason is is because they're not airtight, so the um, the wood may burn, yeah, which would maybe burn off the oxygen, but because they're not airtight, there's always going to be oxygen coming in anyway. Um, and I think because of the, the st- that sort of stone that you use for most ovens, I think that may be a bit porous as well, so there's always going to be air coming in, which is why you'd use a wrap, for particularly for stainless, because the, the temperatures that you're using, um, you would get decarb. Um, so going on to the, the second question, which 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 was about you know is it a prerequisite? Uh, prerequisite. Yeah, that that's it. That's the right word. Yeah, prerequisite. Requisite. That's the one. Um, it's prerequisite. That's the one. Wow. Um, it's only um, when you're going into those higher temperatures really that you're going to get the decarb, which is why with stainless steels we we put them in a wrap, um, and that would do exactly what we just talked about with you know burning off the oxygen within. Um, but because it's in a wrap that's airtight, it would burn what's in the wrap. It wouldn't necessarily burn off what's in the oven because it's not airtight. I, I I think that's right. Look at you. That was good. Sure. Well. Regarding the first question, my concern with throwing wood or charcoal or anything in the oven is it's going to put off soot and smoke, and I have no idea what that does mm. to the coils. That could damage the stuff that's I was gonna bring inside that the oven. Off gas is apparently that's why I'm gonna. I have to stop using my oven for for uh, 
cooking. I have to stop using my. I, don't know, I use it very low, but for the sometimes I use it for um, <sighs> stabilizing. And um, I was told mm. that it's not the off gas isn't great for the coils. Ooh, so be a good question for Spence. Yeah, I've used it for Kydex too, and I wonder that stuff pretty nasty. So I'm wondering whether, although they don't, it doesn't smoke. I suppose no. you're not doing it that much heat, but ah, good point. We should. We need to get Spence on the show because I'm sure we've got lots of questions. We could do it like a heat treat sort of special, almost about, you know, ovens or you know at least a section on a show. Spence is a good um, dude. Yeah, it'd be good to get him on. I have the dilemmas if you want. Shall we? Things that make you go. Hmm. Okay, this comes from Robert John Robert Kraft. <clears throat> I have a dilemma. I l- I love making knives. I love the learning involved and the skill development. I love how each one is a little better than the last. I like it as a hobby, but people keep asking me to make them knives, and I really don't have the time and can't justify the space and money to set up and start producing knives. What should I do? <laughs> I mean, tell him to go to Cabela's. <laughs> tell him to fuck off. <laughs> there you go, John. That was much of a dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you don't you've want got, to do You've it, got no commitment there. Yeah, this, um, this is really it. If you're enjoying it, just do just do it as you enjoy. There's there's no pressure to be for it to become your profession. But you know, it's nice to know that people appreciate your work and that you know you could eventually make it your profession if you wanted. But you know, well, there's nobody telling you what to do. I there, do so believe be a... though, the more you do, the better you get. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that, and and I'd also say not just the more you do, but how regularly you do it too. So you know, the the way I work um, in big batches, I, I can go sometimes maybe three or four weeks without grinding a knife because I've just been grinding for two weeks. And it'll take a while to get that muscle memory back again, you know. So I, I think doing things regularly is a, is a big, big help, not just, you know, in bulk, not just the numbers. The next one comes sorry, from – oh, did you, you, off did you yeah, have something, sorry, to, sorry. something to add, Rekha? No. Okay. This I, one comes I, from. I, I would just tell them to refer them to somebody else, or to uh, you, uh, if you follow makers, refer them to other makers, or tell them to go to the sports sportsman store, Cabela's, or something like that. The next one comes from Ben Kowald. I was di- things that make you go. Hmm. <laughs> Fucking guy. I was diagnosed as an adult with ADHD and I need all the help I can get. What do you guys do? to help stay on task or to get your focus back? Difficult, difficult. Um, I'm sure I I have some some form of that as well. I, I'm the worst for, you know, magpie. And if there's something more interesting, I want to put 100% of my energy into that new interesting thing. Um, but I think you just need to step back sometimes think, well, this is a business. I'm not playing about at this. Um, and, you know, you need to sort of plan um, where you need to be, um, because yeah, I, I find it a real a real struggle. Um, I've got so many different hobbies and so many things that I'm into, and when I'm doing them, I'm a hundred percent into that. It's it's difficult. You just yeah, I think you need to have a goal made. Maybe that's the end of the week or the end of the month where you need to be, um, and just keep track of that that you're not straying too far. Uh, I was noticing the other day that, especially if, like, I have a tendency sometimes to get pulled into the social media and stuff like that. Um, and my iPhone, they show you, like, they have the screen time 
portion of the app now or oh, phone now. Yeah, yeah. And they keep track of like quickly. <laughs> what you do and how often you're like on different apps and stuff like that, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And you can actually in that setting, you can limit the number of the amount of time that you can are allowed to spend in that a day, during the day. Um and so if you if you find that that's one of the things you have problems with, you can literally set your own limitations. Of course, you can probably also just go in there and change it. But the goal is to have something that puts up a wall and, and it kind of like shocks you into stopping. Because I think that's the thing with social media apps is they just they're they're designed to keep you going. Right. Mm. Keep looking. And so something to break that kind of that habit, um, especially if it stops you and says, hey. No more. <laughs> but Yeah. I often find if I say to myself, look, just do this for 10 minutes, just make the effort, put the 10 minutes in and 10 minutes in and you don't want to stop then because your focus has shifted, you know, completely to this new thing. And that, that's massive for me. So sometimes I'll just I'll say, right, I'm going to have 20 minutes and I'm going to start hand sanding this batch of knives. And but at the 20 minute, you don't want to stop. You want to keep going. So it's just, yeah, fixing that focus. And it's, it can be difficult. But, yeah, you just need to find strategies for that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I try to – I don't have – I mean, I haven't been diagnosed with any of those things. I, one thing I, I think that – I think that as a society we're going to have to adjust is the way we see mental health. And I think that if you're – I think that – I think that there needs to be a little bit more – care in regards to mental health and dealing with you know whatever seeing a professional we're not professionals if you're diagnosed with something and don't ask us what to do you know <laughs> unless you want to diagnose i'm hungry i want to make a hot brown something like that then you give us a call no problem but i i do believe that there is a real uh i think we belittle or um true mental health problems and we just say okay we'll just do some yoga and you'll be fine i think um it's easy for me to say, uh, I, I, I tell you what, if I, I walk the dogs every day and that's my like meditation time where I plan the day, not meditation time, it's where I plan the day out. And I'm very, mm. I try to be as focused as I can. If I show up and not know what to do, I'm fucking screwed. Well, it's totally screwed. Yeah. So I give myself very, very specific guidelines of what needs to be done at every stage of the day. And it's allowed me to kind of, you know, haul ass. Like, like yeah. even now I have, I have like 13 knives in the, in of gluing up and I know exactly what I need to do with them for Monday. I know where I'm, where I'm going to get by the end of the day. And I think that, I think that these things are very, I think that the biggest problem in this, in this world is we lack discipline. And I think it's okay to be a little bit more disciplined and just, you know, understand that that discipline is going to get you where you need to be. Mm. Yeah. I have this big thing with sort of guilt where sometimes if I know I should be doing something and I'm doing something else and yet this other thing needs to be done, but maybe it's not as important as the other, I'll feel guilt and that just eats away at me then. And then I just lose my sort of motivation for anything, you know? So sometimes I just need to say to myself, well, look, okay, you need to do X today. Um, but, you know, you really don't want to do it. So you want to be doing this other thing. So do this other thing with no guilt, with no guilt at all, but you're only going to give yourself half an hour or an hour of doing this thing. As soon as you finish that, you need to go back on to do the main thing. You're crazy. 
And I am. I definitely am. But the worst thing is putting something off and feeling the guilt. Yeah. But you're still not doing it and you're feeling guilty and you're not sleeping and, and all the rest of it. So just say, okay, I need to do this thing just for my own my own sort of mind. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to give myself a time limit. And whether that's an hour or half an hour, I then need to get on to the main thing. So rather than putting this thing off for days and days, you've only put it off for half an hour. And the half an hour that you've had doing the fun thing, you haven't got the guilt. That it, it seems to work for me. Yeah, and I'm obviously crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you like you have? Don't you have pajama day? We do. We have <laughs> mental health days. My my wife and I. Yeah. Tell me at about least pajama once day. A month. At least once a month, where we literally any responsibility is up to the other person, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's good because we look forward to these days, and it, it definitely helps. And the whole point is there can't be any guilt involved. Because the minute you start feeling guilty about it, you're just going to get down and, and you just start spiraling. But yeah, that that's what works for, for me. I'm not so wait, I got a said, question. I'm certainly more, not a I professional. More, I got more questions about pajama day. Do you plan it out ahead or is it, can it be spontaneous? Um, usually spontaneous. Oh, man. Yeah. If you plan it, it, it you know, it's not, it's not quite the same. But um, it's normally a case of, you know, we're, we're very sort of in tune, my wife and I, because we both work from home where, you know, we're, we're in a foreign country. So, we, you know, we don't know that many people. We're, you know, we're totally each other's lives. So we know when one of us isn't feeling right or, you know, feeling a bit of pressure or something. We, we just say, look, I've got today covered. You just do what you need oh, to do. Oh, so Pajama Day is not a tag team event. Oh no no no! Only it's, one person can't. does. It. We can't. We've got we've got two kids, so only one person does. Yeah. So you like sitting we, on the couch farting, and, and your poor wife is dealing with these two kids. But then she gets to fart as well one day, so it's all good. It's all, as I, I'm certainly not saying I'm an expert, but this is what works for us. I so love it. Don't don't take this See, advice, I thought, as advice. I thought pajama fart day was like a tag. Was like you both were doing it at the same time. No, we can't do that when we got work. So if both the kids are losing their minds and one person's on the couch farting, then it's the responsibility (laughs) of the non-pajama person to take care of the kids. Exactly. Yeah. We we generally we disappear if it's our day. We dis we we disappear a bit. So we'll we'll be in another room and we just no guilt. If we want to be on our phone all day just looking at crap, that's fine. Uh It's only going to happen today. Tomorrow we wake up and we can't. We need to be on it and and you know super super focused and it generally does work for me it gives me a massive reset the next day i'm itching to go whereas if if i'm feeling a bit not into it some, i can go on for days sometimes productivity goes down and down and down so just draw a line and say look that's it i'm gonna i can have a day guilt-free but then i need to be on it and it, it works for me mm. that's great i i you when mm. the kids get older you guys are gonna be able to have old geezer fart pajama day it'll be a lot more fun <laughs> It'll turn into like a weekend. Then it'll be like five yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next one is from Jamie Mackey. Jamie Mackey says, for the last 14 years or so, I've been working as a chef, but I've come to hate it and uh, have not much interest in making culinary knives. The dilemma is I'm constantly being asked by chefs to make chef knives by pe- uh, by people I know. I'd love to do this full time. I might have it within the state of our, you know, as within the state of our industry, as in restaurants industries, going down the tubes, as a knife maker. But I'd like to make hunting and outdoor knives. Should I make chef knives as a reliable source of income, or should I stick to what I enjoy most and develop my style with outdoor knives? I'm currently doing both, just to keep those whiny ass chefs off my back. But I feel it's <laughs> holding me back from development of my individual style and brand. Cheers, boys. Love, Jamie. 
Yeah, I don't know. But... <laughs> I think Jamie should have pajama day and think about it. Are... Can we have an auto reply to any anything we get any any of these questions on Instagram where we literally just auto reply? I don't know. So, I don't know. When you're in pajama day, do you, are you allowed to kind of make plans, or are you not allowed to? Are you allowed to like think about what you have to do, or? Um, you're allowed to do whatever you want. That's the whole point. You can do uh, whatever you want, but there's there's no. The point is, there's no guilt. You'll call it you pajama day, though, right? We 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 know we just we don't have a name for it. We just know when it's happening. I think you need to have pajama fart day. I think that's the <laughs> that's the name. Yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, Jamie, just fucking make the chef knives and make some money because shit's gonna, shit's about to fall south. <laughs> I've got a feeling that like the, we're about to hit go over the fucking waterfalls pretty soon. So if they ask you to make something, just fucking make it. Keep your mouth shut. You know, I, yeah. I think if you're getting orders in at the end of the day, if whether you're a hobby or a business, that's where the difference is. If you're a hobby, you just do what you want to do. If it's a business, you got to go where the money is. I think. I think yeah. that's the uh, yeah, main especially thing. when you're starting out, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, here, this one comes from Celery Patch Knives. When COVID is over, would any of you consider coming to the Sydney Knife Show or Symposium? I'd love to. I, I've never been to Australia, and I'd love to. But, yeah, um, yeah certainly not at the moment. Um, but it's a long way. Jesus Christ. It's like over 24 hours from here. And I, We know. were talking with somebody with uh, – we were talking about – there was a talk about it last year, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. The big production. There was a chance that the three of us were going to go over to, to, to do something. And I think the problem is, I said, it's 24 hours just to get there. And once you are, you're going to have another sort of 12, maybe 24 hours sort of just into the time. So that's two days. And getting back, that's going to be another two days. So, you know, when people are talking going for five or six days, you just it's just going to be a whirlwind and you'll be knackered. It's, it's got to be 10 days plus, I think, to enjoy it uh, or to make it worthwhile. So that I think that's the biggest thing. Being out of a shop for 10 days or two weeks is, you know, it's costly, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it would be lovely to go. It would be lovely. The answer is, motherfucker's got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Motherfucker's got to yeah. pay. Or, or you listeners, if you were to buy from our sponsors, they'd be very happy with us. So, Combat Abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. 15% off. And that's a big chunk. If you're on a lot of belts, 15% is a big chunk. So make sure if you are uh, buying your belts, tag us and tag who, you know Combat Abrasives or any other sponsors just to let them know that we're, we're doing a good job. And just go check if they're having like a Black Friday sale. I know this is Monday, but if they're having some sort of cyber sale, just check with them first because they might be doing more of a discount. So yes. all these companies yes. are doing – you were saying? Oh, I was just saying, last I saw, they were doing 20% off. Ah. Oh, you got to go check with them. you got to double check, in, yeah, for sure. Yeah, don't be putting in Knife Talk 20 and thinking you're going to get... Some of you <laughs> motherfuckers are scurrilous. I've had messages from people who have nothing to do with this podcast and say, why did somebody put in Knife Talk 10 for my, you know, <laughs> to get oh. firewood? I'm like, what? Just... What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers are putting Knife Talk 15, 10 in everything. It's ridiculous. Uh, I just pulled it up. It's uh, the 20% off is going through the 30th. 
So you got mm, cool, which you, is which is Monday. Yeah, yeah. a few minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> yes. get in there, <laughs> haul ass. Um, yeah. This one comes from Sierra Valley Forge. Thank you for this past Monday's podcast. I thank you for all the courage to show up and tell your stories of roadblocks that you've all encountered. I'm the 73-year-old wife slash business partner slash promoter, you name it, for Sierra Valley Forge. Born of pandemic unemployment and a man who will never stop reinventing himself. That very day, I was in the bottomless pit of despair, reading yet another email rejection by Instagram into their shopping sanctuary. Um, My husband suggested that we take a ride, an old person activity, and we turned on Knife Talk. There, your stories dialed my problems back to the hill of beans status they belong in. Just knowing it's not just me is enough for me to keep on. You guys are the best. Nice. We are the best. So that must be our that must be our one percent listener uh, female listenership. Fine, don't worry about that. We mm. are the best. We are the best. <laughs> it's official. Ultimately, yeah. we're all trying to just make it happen, and you know. We're all not sitting on, you know, in, you know, Las Vegas in some sort of recording booth. I'm sitting in my car, my shitty, my great shitty truck. And we're trying to do this every week. Mareko's tired. He just woke up. Craig's, you know, off, you know, he just got off of, off the couch. And we're, we're all, (laughs) he got his pajamas on. He's farting around. This is fart day. So we're all just trying to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, Do we have any more, or shall we go on with some more questions? I just have uh, I have one from Paul Paulum.fr. Resp- um, if you guys could bring three music albums on a desert island, what would they be? You know what's always funny about Desert Island? I don't know if it's supposed to be Desert Island or Deserted Island. I've always thought it was Deserted Island. Because what the fuck is ah. it? This desert? I mean, it's not his fault, but I think a desert is just full of sand. I mean, it's it? like, like a a, what the fuck is a desert island? <laughs> I always thought it was a deserted island. I'm gonna, I'm but, gonna take it as deserted island, or I'm gonna think of it like desert island. But there, there's something <laughs> we have in the UK called desert island discs, and that's p- pretty much this, where they where they get some uh, some stars, a radio show, and they get the star in, and they'll have to talk about their their ten desert island. What's discs, your three desert island disc? Albums, wow! Um, I tell you what, let's come back to this at the end of the show because that's a big one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, to think about. that's a big one. I'm, I'm just looking around in my studio now, and I've got, I'm quite lucky. I've got some sort of framed album covers that I've got signed and stuff. And, oh, um, look at you, fancy, fancy, fancy! <laughs> so I'm just look, I'm just, just looking checking at it out, you know. This yeah. is my Paul McCartney album from Wings. He well, I've got, I've got the Beatles one here. Was it signed too? It's Sergeant Pepper. It's not signed to me, but it's just signed by, by. Um, <laughs> By John, and you, you have a wait a second. In. You have a John Lennon signed album, Sergeant Pepper, and it's not bullshit. Yeah, right above. I'll get it now. Well, this is a podcast. By, we can't see it's signed it. by Quentin Blake, who is the photographer who took the original shot. Put your camera so on, so a, I can get a picture of this it. This is a print of the original. Put your camera on. I want to see this fucking thing. There we go. I can't see shit. Can you I can't see, see nothing? <laughs> It's terrible. Um, this is a t- what a so there's, terrible there's idea. Quentin Blake signature you can't see it. This is a fucking garbage. You could be holding up a garbage can for all I know. <laughs> can't see anything. You got you get the purple light oh, going on. Let me put the light on. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Right what kind of podcast? Now it's overexposed. Yeah, okay. What's wrong see? with your camera? 
Oh, look at that. It's, 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 these MacBook things, they're terrible. So Quentin Blake's is across the top somewhere. Sorry, Peter Blake, not Quentin, but Peter Blake. He was the photographer. And John Lennon's is there, but you may not be able to see that in the dark. No. You better take a picture of it and put it. That should be the, uh, that should be the cover of the Knife Talk uh, on Instagram this week. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, yeah, I think... I think Damn. Um, Sergeant Pepper, because that, that album, you know, there's, there's such a mix of different styles. And... Do you think that's the best Beatles album? I do if you're talking about their whole library, because you've got a bunch of different styles on there. Um, I like Revolver. Yeah, I was going to say Revolver um, might be my, my favorite. I'm not a big Beatles rocky. fan, but I like Revolver. Yeah. Or the white, yeah. Yeah, let's come back All to right. that, because that, that's, a, that's a good question. Good question. Shall we talk about um, grinders? Sure. Um, Jeff, tell me about oh, yours. Oh, baby. I got the Broadbeck Ironworks 2x72 grinder. Um, Broadbeckironworks.com. It is a banger of a grinder. And they had a big sale uh, over uh, Black Friday, and Vince and Ryan do a great job. They have tons of different types of attachments. It's a very, very reasonable priced uh, machine for what you get. Very versatile knife makers making grinders for knife makers and and i've got i've seen messages from people from who've been getting them and they're just like i'm so glad i got this grinder it's awesome definitely get it with the vfd and if you don't have a broadback if you have something else they make their arms a very um user friendly so you can buy the attachments and you and swap them out with whatever you're using so that's also a great opportunity too i like the fact that i can turn it horizontally and sideways uh horizontally and vertically um i love the fact that the the platen is as long as it is and i also like the fact that they will they have platen plates very inexpensive if you've worn yours away you can get one for hardly anything from them and then it's all ready to go and then you just slap it back on um I love this. I love this grinder. It's. I actually had a problem with it a couple weeks ago. It wasn't a big problem, but when it wasn't, when I wasn't working on it, I couldn't use it. I was like, this "Fucking sucks." I was like, I was all completely. Uh, I was completely spoiled by my Broadback Ironworks two by seventy two grinder. And if you go to Broadback Ironworks and put in Knife Talk ten, you get ten percent off, and that includes shipping unless you're in Canada, and they have a special flat rate deal for shipping to Canada. So nice. They've just shared pictures of a surface grinder working on surface grinders as well. Um, and I've got one on the way, so I'm very excited for that. And also, their sale ends on the 30th as well. So you can still get their uh, their flat platen with uh, work table set up with five other attachments the buffing arm, the integral grinding, the small wheel attachment, the slack, and the contact wheel, all for less than $3,000. So, boom. Nice. There you go. There you go. Okay, let's do a few more questions. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? This one is from Jeffrey Newmark. He says, hey, guys, I was wondering where you draw inspiration um, from for your new designs and shapes. I keep thinking of designs only to realize that the design has already been done by somebody else, and I was just recreating their design. So I know there's a lot of taken inspiration from other makers in this community, uh, but do you have any tips for trying to come up with something original to call your own, even if it's just using a design and putting your personal spin on it? He says, I'm curious how you all balance influence and inspiration from others' work with your own original creativity. It's a well-written question. It is. Yeah. Very good question. 
Um, Morocco, what, what about you? I mean, you, you, you're just doing your Smith & Bard knives as well, which is slightly yeah. different to your others. Where are you taking inspiration from for those? Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to riff on my own stuff, really, um, and trying to riff on them in the way that I'm just trying to be more economical about how I'm making them more than anything not necessarily materials but about my time and how you know how i how i'm spending or how much time it takes to actually make them um like i'm working on three handles right now on the full tang knives and where it would usually take me like probably at least a solid uh anywhere from two to six hours to sculpt a handle um just depending on how complicated it is especially when it gets into the facets and stuff um, I've done all three of these knives in about two hours. Um, and so there's, there's a big difference, but it's still a really comfortable handle. It's nice. It's, it's just, I, I think the biggest way to make, at least when it comes to handles, make your work stand out is to, to have good control over the machine and the belts and where they go and what they're cutting and how they're cutting. Um, and that way you can, you can, you really could kind of, take little parts here and there from a bunch of different handles that you like that might look it might turn into a frankenstein piece of shit but it also might look really good um but i actually got a, a message this weekend um i don't know if this person listens i'm not gonna say who it is but they're they were saying like basically exactly this you know they were inspired by my work they made their first knife and they were trying to replicate the handle and you know, they finished it out and everything, but they messaged me asking, you know, why is the handle shaped like that? And uh, I don't know. I didn't know what to say because all, all I feel like I'm trying, what they're asking is like, how do I explain to people why the handle is shaped the way it is um, so that I can sell it better? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of oh, weird. That's a good, that's a good insight. That that's what people are looking for. They're looking for their own words. Yeah. Mm. So. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? Where we always mention, you know, that there's only so many ways you can make something sharp and pointy. Sure. Um, but certain makers, you can look at a picture and you know straight away it, it's their work, and they've got these, you know, very sort of iconic and identifiable features. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's difficult to, to get that, and I think that's only going to come with experience. And you know, Jeff will tell you, I'm sure that you know. He's always making these slight little iterations on his designs all of the time. They're always getting better and better, and they're becoming more and more unique to to him and and to to what his work is. Um, me personally, m my designs, I always tried to keep them clean um, and not fussy. So um, um, they're not the most maybe not the most ergonomic, um, but I I think. If you're doing, you know, batches of knives, trying to make them ergonomic is difficult because everybody's, everybody's hands are different. Right. Where if you're doing, you know, one-offs, you can make them obviously far more ergonomic for the user. So I try to keep mine as neutral as possible. Um, and with regards to sort of style, I say like clean, sort of classic shapes. Um, but all of mine start on a screen. So um, I use like a 2D CAD to, you know, to, to do them. And then I can I can print them out and I can see what they look like and, and that kind of thing. So, it, you know, everything is purposefully done even regards to things like the curves i make sure the curves are the, the size of the tool in that i have um because you know the last thing you want to do is have maybe have a, a six mil radius on something and you don't have a six mil uh, small wheel whatever it may be so 
Yeah, there's, there's lots to consider, but it's very difficult to get that strike in shape, which is going to be uniquely yours because, yeah, it's sharp and pointy. There's so many, only so many takes on that. Um, what have you got on that? Well, Jeff? I mean, for me, when I started making chef knives, I really tried to make what I thought I liked. And a lot of it was based on, you know, I didn't like my knife from culinary school. I just didn't like the way it felt. And I was just like, oh, nobody cares about this. No one cares about that. And I started making what I thought I wanted. And then I'd be like, I don't really want this. And I would slowly, slowly make transitions. And actually, my handle came from, we used to be a lot bigger. And then a woman came by, and she says, she bought a knife. And she's like, I want to, I'm coming by. I want to, I want to feel the knife because I have small hands. And I said, what? She was yeah, I have small hands. She said that quite aggressively, she didn't was, she? she? Did dude, she soften up when she arrived? Dude, she did, no, she, she said, I'm coming by tomorrow. I'm like, coming by tomorrow? I said, you're coming by tomorrow. This is a few years ago. With my little hands. I said, I, she, I, I, you need to see how small my hands are. I'm like, what? I said, I'm sure they're perfectly normal. I'm not going to know that they're very. She shows up in her catering van, like ready to go to a job site. And she comes out, opens the door, hands spread out. <laughs> Say, look how small they are. And I said, why are you here with your fucking hands outspread? And then I said, they're not. I said, she said, put your hand up. And she put my hand up against my hand. I'm like, madam, this is a perfectly normal size hand. She's like, I don't care. I want. And then she was like going on and on about smaller fucking hands were. And I was just like, all right, I'll make a goddamn small handle. And then I realized I fucking liked that handle the way it felt. The small handed woman was right. And she pushed me in the direction. I was just like, you know what? This feels a lot better. So my handles got much smaller because of this maniac who came barging into my shop with a hand spread. SHW edition. Yeah. She's a slapper, you know? I I had a customer (laughs) like that a a year and a half ago, I think. Maybe a year ago. And it was the parents that were getting the knife for the daughter, who was a CIA uh, soon-to-be grad. And they kept making a point about how small her hands were and that her nickname was T-Rex. Because her hands <laughs> like seem unproportionately small compared to her body. That's sad. Her own parents were saying well, that. Her own parents. Well, and then I met her, and I was like, "You need. You seem like you have normal. You know, I can. I can <laughs> you pair say the, that. You seem like you have normal hands. Your parents. Yeah. Think well, I mean, so. she brought it up too herself. She's like, "Yeah, my nickname's T Rex, and and blah blah." It's like, God. oh my god. How how were her arms like? Were her like arms down or? <laughs> How, they reach her like waist? <laughs> no, she was she was proportioned like a normal human being. Um, I, her hands she were... could wipe her own ass. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. sure. Her hands were definitely smaller than mine. And I was like, you know, I can I can definitely sculpt the handle down so that it's a little on the smaller side uh, to suit your hand better. But I guess it's it's been an issue over the years for, for her buying other knives, whether they're just like Vitorinox or something like that. And the handles were always just like big and bulky and kind of awkward for her. And so I guess that there's a reason they made made it a uh, made a point to to let me know. And I guess it sounds like did it, it was change good for the way you, you make knives? No, definitely not. <laughs> I, had, I had already I, made that adjustment because I, you know, I worked for Bob Kramer for a long time sculpting his handles, and I, I liked his handles, but I did feel like they were a little bulky, even for me. Uh, and and I wanted to try to create a handle size or shape that was suitable for anybody with really big hands, all the way down to somebody with really small hands. Um, obviously, you can't win them all, but 
And and so no, I've no. I've definitely had people request larger handles because they have large hands, and I've had obviously people request smaller handles because they have extra small hands. But otherwise, the handles I make uh, span or function for a lot of people. People are crazy with the hand. I get I got another guy who's like, I need a big hand. I have big hands. I need a big hand, big handle for my big hands. <laughs> Just like. They're fine. They'll be fine. So they're, they're, their hands are big. I'm like, I'm sure they're... I mean, these people with their hands are fucking nuts. Yeah, I I, but I do appreciate it. I, I, I've definitely... I've, it's helped me to, to make adjustments because of people's... Ex, you know, when they make this smaller handle, and I, now I'm making my handles are much smaller because of this little maniac. Sure. Yeah, I, I've had people... Small-handed woman. <laughs> people say but the it, same thing. I have really big hands. I'm like, okay, I have pretty good size hands myself. If, and what's... usually if I get to meet them, my hands are usually bigger than theirs. I'm like, oh, shit, okay, I guess this handle should work. <laughs> if it's comfortable for you, then it's... <laughs> Who goes around talking about how big their hands are? Maniacs. Oh, I got oh, a giant customers. penis. Hey, how are you? <laughs> my no, penis just... is tiny. I'm talking about potential, like customers, when they're like, I, oh. I have really big hands and I need a bigger handle. I know, but it's and like, usually, who talks like I, that, though? if I meet them, I don't know. It's something apparently, a feature that they're proud of. Fucking read. Everybody's trying to find something to cling their identity yeah. to. Aren't they? I think that the best thing to do is to kind of, is to make adjustments based on, you know, this might be nice, that might be nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of my, my knives have, are like parts of one knife and parts of another and things I like about certain things that I've, I've, I've definitely taken advantage of. And, and I don't necessarily, I do agree that, you know, they don't, I mean, you know what it is when you see it, it's a knife. I mean, it's like, I don't, it's not going to be like, I mean, Josh Prince is a perfect example of someone who's kind of taken his own, taken his own style and then just kind of like flown with it. And I'm very envious of that. And I, I'm I'm trying to do more uh, stuff that's kind of closer to what I do, like more sculptural, but it becomes difficult. So yeah. well, and I think what you said earlier was the best anybody could try to do is, especially if they have some experience using a chef's knife, is to try to build what they think they would want. And I think that's that's right. what informed my the way I sculpt my handle is because I built what I thought I wanted. And I right. just made adjustments and I took, insp- you know, some, maybe I saw something that I could take inspiration from and add that, but still make it what I wanted in a handle, not because it was in vogue or trendy or anything like that. I ultimately wanted my knife. I want my knives to be tools that are comfortable and, and useful. And yeah. So I think. Yeah. Cool. That's that. Okay. Um, next one is from Adam Cypher. Um, I've got a question for y'all. What do you think of, bla- of a blade vice? Um, do any of you use them? I'm not quite sure what he means by a blade vice. Like a knife vice. It's the... like a... Go ahead. Is you that the, like that, 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 that tubular right. thing? Is that so you can... T- ah, right, yeah. yeah. Tube and a tube. Um, yeah, yeah I, d- I don't use one. Um, they look cool, I suppose. Um, but I just... I've got like a... Basically, it's just a piece of wood, and I've got one of those um, clamps that you know you can cl- clamp a knife down with, and I just do that. But they're mostly for handles. Like you wouldn't use right, a knife okay. vice for hand sanding blades. I do, yeah. Um, so I use exactly that same thing, but it's turned around the other way, so the um, the handle is hanging off over the edge. But then you have to move it around. 
Yeah, you're right. No, it would be. Yeah, it would be nice, I suppose. I don't have one. So I don't when know. I made my quick knife handle vice, I fucking love it. It's it's like you don't have to. I at one point I had two vices next to each other. One for when the knife was uh, the handle was up and down, and the other one was on its side, and it was like going back and forth. I was like, this is dumb. And then I did a piece of tubing. I made some uh, two inch tubing. Tubing's the inside di- di- dimension, and then I made some wood, and then I. Th- um, to hold in between inside the tubing and then i drilled and tapped a, th- a thread and then i can move it around in the vice and it it's so much easier so much easier mm. i love them i love them yeah makes sense sure. what's what's your biggest vice <sighs> my biggest vice is boobs i could i could not drink i could not drink as i could not drink as much but other than that yeah it's not that i don't i don't, uh. I don't, I don't it's not a big deal <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't use one myself. Actually, I think it, you need a, a a blade vice. It, it depends on what you're doing. You know, if you don't do kind mm. of, I mean, oh, you use it, Jeff. Do you do like the 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 lap or what is it with a strip of sandpaper and on over the over the handle to shape the handle or do any finished shaping on it? I usually, I mean, usually it's all done. By the time I get to, it's just the last, it's the last bit of sanding. You know, it's usually pretty, except for the underside. Sometimes I need to kind of like get some, get something, um, get some cleanup on underside of the knife. But I use it Mm. for the final, the final uh, sanding. You know, it just, it holds it down. I don't like holding, I've tried to do that where you hold it in your hand. But it's mm. just like I don't feel like I'm getting as efficient as I can be as if it was in a vice. So I, that's what I use it for, just to kind of like going down the grits after the, it's completely been uh, carved or ground, do grounded. You, do you cover the blade up with anything before you clamp it in? Where's yes, I put – I usually have – by the time I'm there, I usually have – by the time I'm finishing the – after I etch and glue and everything like that, um, I have paper towel and electric tape over the whole blade, mm. but then when I get to the, and then I can usually fit it in with the electric tape, but if I can't, I'll have, uh, masking tape on either side of the blade and then the wood kind of clamps, um, uh, in there. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck with, you know, I don't want to, last thing I want to do is, is a hand sand a blade with a handle on. That's a drag. Yeah. I, I see. I saw a great one in my feed. Um, not a sponsor of the show at all, but um, TR Maker. He yeah. makes lots of things for the knife. But he, he's he's just made this this uh, vice looks incredible and it articulates everywhere. So yeah, go and take a look at that if you're looking for one. Okay, uh, next one is from Ben Siegel. Um, if your product is the knife, and that's what people want, what percentage of time and capital do you put into things like packaging? presentation he says things like padded cases or kydex he says he's trying to find a balance on offering a customer both the product and the experience good question very good question what do you what do you guys think i need my packaging my packaging isn't as good as it could be but i i definitely try to give the experience with the emails and pictures and everything that and then the kydex has been my it's a nice thing to have when you open up the package but I envy you, Craig, for having such nice packaging. Um, yeah, I mean it. It takes a. It's taken a while to to get to something that which which I like. Um, but you know, it's baked into the cost. Um, I baked that into the cost of of what I'm selling. 
so yeah i mean you can be you know i'm not selling knives that are super super expensive so therefore my packaging isn't you know completely over the top and you know expensive packaging it's it's relatively cheap to produce um if anybody's wondering what I use, I, I actually put a video on YouTube. I think the week the week before last, all about my, my packaging and how it's evolved over time. Um, but it, it's a balancing act because you want it to obviously protect the knife, and you know Jeff just mentioned using Kydex, which obviously will protect the knife, but you still want it not to rattle around, and you want it to look good, and you want it to be a whole sort of experience. People are used to like unboxing experiences now, where you know you, you can buy, you know whether they're phones or whatever it is, they're always packaged beautifully. And for a lot of people, that's part of the experience of opening it. And if they're spending, you know, a fair amount of money on a knife, I think that they should have that experience with it too. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive. And I think if you're sort of putting that into the price, um, it's it's all good. How, how are you doing yours, uh, Morocco? Because at one point you were building boxes specific to each knife, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, but that was just, like, for shipping purposes. It wasn't anything, actually, very fancy. It was just, like, a, mm. like insulation board to help keep the knife sandwiched in from wiggling around, like you're talking about. Uh, my my packaging game could definitely use uh, some improvement, for sure. Um, right now, what I, I send a knife in a zipper pouch, and that's with some, you know, the information, the certificate of authenticity and care instructions, but that's it. And I really would like to up my packaging game to somehow figure out how to uh, include like a, uh, like a sheath of sorts, uh, like Jeff does with the Kydex. Um, I've been looking at doing stuff with leather, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I could definitely use some help in the packaging side of things or even just finding boxes that fit the knife properly um that i could ship it in or i don't know it's i was i was looking at tie boxes i couldn't find like something for a tie i, I went all over the place we were trying to find boxes and i don't like the rattling around yeah yeah i've even looked at like wine boxes like when you can buy boxes that you can give boxes uh bottles of wine yeah, as a presentation, gift. Yeah, presentation box yeah and it's still like one of those is 40 bucks or or 30 bucks and it's just like god i'm just not trying to spend that much just on a box that's yeah. probably going to just be discarded you know hmm. and it's got to be harder for you Marek, because yours are one-offs so each one is slightly different right exactly whereas you know i'm doing batches so you know minimum order quantities you know that the, the price comes down the more you order so I can, right. you know, I can comfortably order a few hundred of something, knowing that the price will be lower. But if it's just a one-off, that can be, you know, you know, to ten, twenty times the cost of ordering, you know, a few hundred. So yeah. it's per unit rather. So yeah, it, it is difficult, and it's one of those things where we don't generally see other people's packaging. Whereas, you know, if you're looking for inspiration for knives, you can go on Instagram. You can see all these beautiful knives. And you don't generally see inspiration for packaging. So it, it yeah, it can be, it can be difficult, but. Um, you know, I, I've done all sorts. So I, I um, used um, like a vacuum former to you know, put like a plastic sheet around a knife so we'd hold it in place. Um, and now I've just gone, it's pretty simple. So it's basically using recycled um, shredded paper to, to pack pack up a, a custom box basically with the knife inside and it stops it from rattling around. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it can be as simple or as, uh, you know, complicated as, as you want it to be, I suppose. I kind of do it, 
I I do, I do it similarly to uh, Fingal Ferguson. I don't. He uses it. He makes it. He's very clever because he you know he also works makes sausage and meat and stuff like that. He ties everything up with butcher twine. Does that butcher's wrap, doesn't he? Yeah, with the knots. Yeah, I that. always wrap mine in brown paper and then I'll have like a colored you know tape or something like that. Sometimes I'll throw a ribbon. I'll write a note on it, and it the Kydex really allows it to not. It's it definitely protects the whole thing because I've had knives sent to me fucking coming out of the box it's mm, crazy yeah. i've had uh i've had knives i mean literally sta- i'm surprised like there's not like a dead mailman on my doorstep like <laughs> it's like i've seen horrible horrible things and, and i know that i want i worry uh Mareko about those padded bags i just wonder is it when it's all compressed and everything it doesn't slide around in the bag right no the way i build them up it's kind of it's a little thicker than the box, especially with the knife in there. And so the padding, uh, oh, okay. the, the foam board really kind of pins the handle and keeps okay. it from sliding around. Because I'd be afraid of it like sliding through the bag. Right. Yeah. One thing I've, I've thought of doing is um, my my wife's uh, mother, she's got one of those embroidery machines. So you can embroider stuff onto, you know, onto whatever it is. And I was thinking using like a like a like a towel, you know, like a kitchen towel, or like a hand towel, or you know, something that you know chefs are always using, always Good using. Idea. So you get you know embroider your logo onto one of them, and use that to wrap around the knife for that extra level of of security as well. And then it's not a pointless bit of packaging; it's something that they could use then it's as a well. Fucking good idea. Plus, you know, you, they've got your logo hanging out of their pocket all the time as well, which is quite nice. Your so, Lockwood sweatshop. Yeah, yeah. Get mom to work. <laughs> so there's. The, there's there's plenty of, of things you can do, and yeah, it doesn't need to be expensive. But but please try to make your packaging either recyclable, reusable, or compostable. Um, nobody needs more, you know, plastic shit hanging around the place. I got to tell you, the side towel is a fucking great idea. You can have that one for free. Have it. I'm not making side towels. Can I? Can, will your mom make them for me? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Shipping could be a problem. Right. That's but, a great uh, idea. Yeah. That is a totally great idea. Yeah, they're whipping it out in front of all their colleagues. What? And, you know, the, the, the towel. Oh. I mean. Jeez. <laughs> oh, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, it's like, got look how small my hands are, whipping it out. <laughs> whipping out the packaging. You can see my penis. <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> like bloody seven-year-old boys. I love here. it. That's my favorite that, part is being seven-year-old boys. said boobs earlier, and I started giggling. <laughs> I, you know, I, I heard, I learned the word slapper this morning, and I and I knew that it meant something bad, and I thought I'm gonna see how I'm gonna see yeah. if I can get I'm gonna see how many times I can say get Craig to gr- to giggle. <laughs> I wasn't a hundred percent sure what a slapper was, but I figured it's a, a loose woman. <laughs> <should we say. laughs> I called the turkey a slapper. That's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Minuteman EDC asks, I'm a new to knife making slash forging, and I've been using a lot of steel cable. What grit should I bring the blade down to so I can get the best results when etching, and would a coffee etch uh, help? I love the show, guys. Thanks. There you go. That's got my record written yeah, on that one. I try to hand sand at least 800 grit um, for Damascus, and I don't know if the coffee would help. Um, but you should, certainly can try it. So there you go. I worry about cable. Like, I've seen elevator cable when I was making sculpture, and it's fucking greasy. Isn't there, like, sure. rope inside, too? Mm. How do you clean How do you clean it so it's not like a... How do you get it to forge weld? How do you get cable to work? 
Uh, so usually you want to capture the ends. If you're working with just a section of it, you want to either weld the ends. Actually, that's probably basically the only way you really do it is weld the ends so the wire doesn't start fraying. And then um, in your initial heats, you want to try to tighten it even tighter than it already is uh, as it's you know in the same direction that it's already wound you want to tighten it more to increase the contact of the individual strands with each other so they start bonding together and you just kind of keep slowly working in that direction tightening it more and more if there's any grease and i would be more concerned about like any uh like if there are rigging cables rocks and stuff being in between strands but if it's greasy like i wouldn't worry about that other i would just make sure you got good ventilation uh, above your forge because it's going to be uh, burning up and making some nasty ass smoke. And cable uh, is generally high carbon. Um, I know nothing about it. Sure, I, I yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I I have a friend who used to, <laughs> used to work at one of the shipyards up in Seattle, and he gave me a bunch of cable, and he said it was ten ninety five, um, cable, and hmm. so, but. Yeah, the the actual grades I think I'm sure can vary just like leaf springs. Um so unless you whoever you get it from um really knows what they're working with, I would just assume that it's a basic high carbon steel. Um hmm. but yeah. It, 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 go ahead. Is there any way of um you know, you can send stuff off for analysis, obviously, to find out what it is, but that that can be quite costly. Sure. Is there any way of being able to do that yourself? You know. Um, not in a very scientific way. Um, there are, mm. what is it? Uh, some some metal scrapyards have these kind of like chemical composition laser thingies that you can you can shoot it at a piece of metal to figure out what it is or what the chemical Whoa. composition is of it. And um, some scrapyards carry those and have those, so you can take wow. readings. They're super expensive. They're like ten thousand dollar machine like a handheld gun thing um hmm. sometimes they're tabletop but um yeah that's one way i've heard of people doing it, it for me it's easier i i've called around and tried talking to shops and places are really funny about that and some none will ever none have ever given me a straight answer so when i needed it i just shipped it sent this stuff off so if i was going to test the cable i would actually weld some of it up first uh so it's kind of a more homogenous piece and then i would send it out cut it like cut a little chunk off and send it to be tested but um, you could tell if it was high carbon based on if you put that steel up against the grinder how the sparks come down like sparks uh, spark how sparks fly off your grinder will tell you right you know, well the, and, kind of the composition the general kind of yeah, but I mean, most most steel, even just mild steel, will throw crazy sparks. It depends on how fresh the belt is or how hard you're pushing into it. But it's, and there's no it's science different. into how hard you push into it. Yeah, I, it's what I the, the, go ahead. What I hear is like the in, the in, you have to be looking for the individual spark and how complex right. it is, and the more it sparks right. off, but how well you'll actually be be able to do that unless your face is right next to it or you're taking video that you can play back in like slow-mo or something like that um it's gonna but again it's 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 not the greatest way to be able to tell what exactly you're working with for sure 
and whether re- and it won't inform if you're going to get good results either. It's, it's I definitely remember shoot. back in the day when we would hit a piece of steel on the grinder and be like, okay, okay, this is not mild steel. Like you could identify it based on the the way the spark shoots out, the color of the spark, and the way it kind of like branches out. It's different. A lot sure. of steels are different and you're 100% right I don't know I don't you take, take your cable and you can keep it I mean, I'm not interested <laughs> super not interested okay I think that's probably enough for questions don't we have to do uh, the, your desert island playlist we do we do um, you go first Jeff what have you got three albums three albums best of all time I'm going to do Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones, my favorite album of all time. I'm going to do Eat a Peach from the Allman Brothers, and I might have to go with Paul's Boutique from the Beastie Boys. Uh, I could listen to all three of those. Hmm. I might throw my record player off into the water after a while for my whatever I'm listening to. Like, I'm just going to walk away, Jeff. Just walk away. Don't throw it, on. Don't throw it in the water. Yeah. Uh, Have a pajama day. <laughs> Fart around my pajamas. Instead of, in my mind, I'm looking like uh, Tom Hanks from the, what, what was that movie where he's on a deserted island talking Cast to away. his volleyball? Uh, yeah. Castaway. Yeah. What's that Castaway. Castaway. That's the one. Well, that that is what this is all about. So, Desert Island Discs is uh, is a BBC radio thing, and they say they get celebrities on, and they'll give ten songs, and they're going to give a story to why they'd have each song. But the intro to it is literally like the birds and the waves crashing, and it, it's really sort of mellow. It's it's I love it. It's it's a really good show, but um, yeah, it's very serious and very uh, very BBC. Uh, Mareko, what have you got? Best three albums of all time. You know, I don't really listen to albums very much anymore. I usually just turn on Pandora. Um, I will say, you know what? I really like um, the Black Keys' Thick Freakness album. It's a really good one. Um, and then, oh, damn it. I had one the other, uh, earlier. Oh, uh, Led Zeppelin two. I really nice. love that album. Good it's a really one. good one. Good one. Um, and I can't, I mean, honestly, I can't really think of a whole lot, but I do, I love The License to Ill um, by BC Boys. <laughs> That's a really good album. So Jeff saying the BC Boys made me think of that. And it reminds I'll, me you of. You can take it. I'll take, I'll change, I'll change mine. I'll change mine. Sorry. I'm I sorry. I, I just, I, I can't think of anything. I don't know if I can think. But I remember listening to that on, endlessly and never getting tired of it. And so I could see myself mm. being able to listen to that. A lot. It, this is a really difficult question because with my moods, like the music I listen to changes like so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, really into my music and I, I play a fair few instruments and so on. But at the moment, I'm going to go with Sgt. Pepper simply because the variation in the songs and technically at the time, you know, that was done like on a four track. And then they got all these crazy, crazy uh, things happening uh, with sonically. Um Five Leaves Left by Nick Drake. And you guys might not know who he is. He was, he was oh, yeah. uh, back in the... Oh, no, you know. Okay. So, yeah, very sort of mellow and chilled out. Um, that's sort of what I'm into at the moment, I suppose. Um, but then completely separate would be uh, The Bends by Radiohead. I just love mm. that. I could listen to that album 
every day. Sure. I think it's it's a classic. Every song is perfect. Um, but yeah, it depends. And whilst we're talking about music, I, I know Mareko's a big fan as well. I don't think Jeff is so much. Taylor Swift. Have you seen? <laughs> yeah, have you seen it? Have you seen the folklore um, thing on Disney? Plus? I haven't. What? No. It's incredible. So the latest album, Folklore, uh, was written in lockdown. And um, basically, the her and the musicians that did it, they get together in this studio um, for the first time. And they they play it live. And they talk about each of the songs. And there's only three of them. It's her and, and two other guys. Um, and it's all like acoustic. And it's really mellow. It's, it's, it's genius. It's very good. Is that Taylor Swift? Yeah. It is Taylor Swift, yeah. Okay. The queen of all things. Really? Oh, She's. I think she honestly think she is. But it sounds strange to say underrated because you know she's she's so sort of out there and everybody knows who she is. But incredible lyrically and uh, musically, she's brilliant. Look at you and involved into this you know, from this like pop princess into a really serious, credible artist. You know, that was music for you. Actually, <laughs> music talk. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to change my BC Boys. I thought of one. I was going to change it to Double Trouble with Steve, by Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's a fucking good one. I There's a guy know. who it would have been great if he didn't kick off. He, he died <laughs> it would have been that. great if he didn't kick off. Plane crash, right? Something like, I don't know, something like that. Like, I, I think I'm getting rid of BC Boys, too. Oh, boy. I mean, fine. I tell you what I could listen to I listen to every year. It's not uh album, but I could listen to the Ricky Gervais podcasts from back in the day. <laughs> you can listen to them once a yeah. year with fucking Carl. Carl had like a fucking mm. lemon uh, orange. That shit is good. Who's touching PS? Who's I'm gonna get these messages. Who's touching the mic? Because I'm the one no, I can hear this I can hear a Dude, spring of a microphone. I'm gonna stand. get so many yeah. calls. So you didn't say anything. you didn't hear the the spring of the microphone? Someone's grabbing <laughs> up. Someone's grabbing up onto their Yeah. Hot mic. Not me. Maybe my chair. Maybe my chair. I, I, um, I, I feel like I've been hearing a chair myself, but possibly, possibly. I when you when you mention Ricky Gervais's podcasts, um, I like stand up stuff. Most of the time, you listen to it once, and that's enough. Um, but the Ricky Gervais Humanity one, I I've watched that probably five or six times, which is unusual for me watching the stand up. It's it's incredible. Oh, P.S. Thank you for putting me on to that uh, Dave Chappelle video. Oh, masterclass that is. There is nobody Have better. You seen it, There's nobody better. Have you seen it, Mareko? What Dave Chappelle put up on Instagram this week? Uh-uh. It's like a. I think. I think it's like fourteen, fifteen minutes. Okay. And basically, he just tells this story. It's not really funny. Not funny at all. But it's just. It's a masterclass in storytelling and taking the audience with you on this on this story it's it's in public speaker it's just well, it's it's about being taken advantage of by um yeah comedy central it was it's a, it's excellent actually i'm actually going to do a full blast oh. podcast based off of that in terms of my opinions on the art community and just sure. you know how makers and artists and creative people and people who are trying to be on their own are being taken advantage of by you know pimps and thieves mm. Yeah, very good. And it, and it starts off. He talks about when he was a kid. This thing happened to him, and and right up to you know what what happened to him with the Dave Chappelle show, and and it it, it and is he, just it, so poised and timed perfectly. It's it's incredible. He's very good incredible. at interweaving the stories too, so they all kind of come back together. Mm-hmm. He's goddamn genius. Goddamn genius. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <sighs> 
would we like to be this time next week uh, with regards to work? What what we got going on, Jeff? I got to haul ass. I got to haul so much ass because I'm going to get... Empty that car to start with. Empty that car. I got so much fucking work to do. It's like, and the people are like sending messages like, "Uh, I need something for this. I need something for this. So I'm going to try to like, I'm going to try to like, I'm going to try to do some crazy shit. I'm going to try to really haul ass is the word. My shop is going to be a wreck. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm glad today's Saturday because I'm looking forward to cooking some leftovers tonight. I'm looking forward to eating some leftovers tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to, you know, just the next at least 36 hours of not doing a whole lot. I'm very excited about that. Nice. And then it's with no guilt. I never have guilt. I, I work so hard. I, I go to bed tired. I go to bed tired. I don't, I don't feel no guilt. Nice. Steaming nice. browns in your mouth. Steaming browns. Is that what There's they're called? Steaming, no, the fucking steaming browns. <laughs> That's definitely not called a steaming brown. It's a hot brown. Oh, hot brown. Fucking <laughs> steaming browns. Oh, that's the title that's, for this show. Big hands and steaming that's browns. That's a fucking. That's. I mean, you can't. You want to talk about making a bad menu? Put steaming browns on the menu. See how fast. It goes. <laughs> Worst special of all time. Come in for a steaming brown. God damn. Oh, oh Jesus. God. Whew. What have you got, Morocco? Where would you like to be this time next week? <laughs> I want those damn handles to be done, uh, which I'm hopefully going to be actually getting done this weekend. Uh, then the blades need to be marked. I need to get photos. And then I need, so I have three stock removal knives, and then I have three forged knives, so I need to start working on the handles for those. Um... Candle, uh, candle, calendar sales have been going good. Um, if anybody's interested, the new Artisans of Steel calendar is up on my website and available. We've got 12 months uh, of a lot of really awesome knives. Um, there's a lot of collaboration pieces in this one. It's kind of a, a moderate theme throughout the whole year for this calendar. Um, so if anybody's so disposed please feel welcome to go get one of those um and i appreciate your support um but other than momassifirearts.com momassifirearts.com i think i also got a link in my bio on instagram and cool I'm trying to think what else i got a couple more wooden spoons. Do you know, whilst you're talking about collaborations yeah. which you, you just did two friends of the show um toma from florentine and uh, uh fingal from um, fingal ferguson knives did you see their collaboration sure of, of, uh-uh. of those chef knives? They were beautiful. Uh-huh. They they sold out very nice. quickly. I think there was three or four, and they sold almost immediately. They were beautiful. I'm getting yeah. one of those Kedma Gyodos from Tomer. I'm psyched about that. Oh, they look cool, I, too. Speaking yeah. of which, I saw your package I finally, finally made it. Three months in Spanish <laughs> customs. Three months. Fucking sat there for three fucking months. I, I I'm like I'll never fucking send it to him again. I I will. I have. <laughs> I actually sent. I sent. Uh, I sent him some to, a tool, and it got pulled right out of the envelope. <laughs> he opened it up. He's just like, "What the fuck do you send me?" I'm like, "You sent me an exploding package." And it was like the the key was like ripped out of the whole thing. It was like Spanish oh. <laughs> um, Spanish mail can kiss my ass. European mail, I think you'll find. Yeah. Anyway. Um, my dream for the week. So I'm I'm back in sort of design phase. So I'm looking at my next batch, which I'll be launching in January. 
Um, um, it's going to be a chef knife again. So um, the last one were camp knives. I'm just going back to chef knives. Um, and there's going to be two models. Uh, one um, more affordable than the other, should we say. So, yeah, so that's quite cool. Um, getting back into sort of designing stuff again. And, you know, I'll work on a few sort of prototypes before before we go into any sort of production. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Um just like Jeff, my shop is a tip at the moment. Um, so I just need to put my head down and tidy everything up. And I want tomorrow to be a good day. So it's my uh, my two uh, twins. Um, it's their birthday tomorrow. So we've got a day full of uh, eating and, you know, treats for them and that kind of thing. So, yeah. It's Happy birthday. So, Super fun. Yes, that was gonna, yeah. the episode when they were born was with the episode where Mareko and I interviewed Jared Thatcher, I think. Two years yeah. ago. Time flies. Time flies. That I think that's a show. I think we can call it a day. This show is being called Big Hands and Steaming Browns. <laughs> that's a fucking good one. Big Hands and Steaming Browns. Thank you all for listening. I wish to speak to you again next week. Cool. Let me hit stop. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.